We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. I'm verified. Uh, sadly, Twitter is no longer doing verifications at the moment, so we can't get Chris verified. Uh, but that's all right, man. Talk to him. At this point, I, I I'll, when I get verified, whenever that will be, Hooray. But you can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right. This is our first installment of our NFC West Roundup, where we're talking to a beat writer who covers all three teams in the division, obviously outside of the Seahawks. First up is the homie who covers the 49ers for the Athletic, Matt Barrows. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you on the podcast for the yeah, first time. Yeah, nice to see you guys, too. I finally get to see Christopher. Uh, a couple, couple of handsome guys over there, I, I got I to say. <laughs> I'd be forgetting sometimes that you guys, uh, when we have you guys on the show, you guys haven't met Chris because, you know, we all meet in press boxes. So, like, yeah, it's a lot of you guys first time uh, seeing Chris and even though he's not verified. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've had a beat writer that went unverified for the longest time, Eric Branch, and that sort of became his his thing. It, it almost became better that he wasn't unverified. Because, uh, he became known for that. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I've talked to Chris. I don't know dozen times i, I don't yeah. know how, how long we've been doing this but uh yeah it, it doesn't feel like i'm meeting him for the first time well let's uh let's let's kick this thing off actually before we do that uh, we're talking about the niners plug plug the book uh one one more time i know we plugged it last time you were on but plug your book well yeah plug it as much as possible uh we got father's day coming up it would be a good uh, father's day gift for all the 49ers fans out there um it's a uh, it's a book uh, about you know basically this this century of the 49ers a really kind of roller coaster century. Uh, they've been to the Super Bowl twice. They've had two uh, two win teams. So they've been quite up and down, and a lot of it uh, kind of uh, revolves around the the Jim Harbaugh teams, uh, which had, as you know, a lot of personality and a big rivalry with with the Seahawks. And and I feel like with um, with John Lynch in charge, John Lynch is such a nice man, likes everybody. He gets along well with John Schneider. Um, we don't quite have that level of animus that uh, we had uh, 10 years ago at, at this point. Let's get into some football. 
Julio Jones. He's the number one topic right now. When you think NFL, you're thinking, Julio Jones, where's he going to go? The NFC West is looking like it's a hot landing spot for Julio. Can the Niners pull this off? And ultimately, what would it cost if Julio Jones ends up with the 49ers? They can pull it off. Um, From a salary cap standpoint, they certainly can. Um, I just wonder, you know, there was a report last week about there being a, a first round pick on the table. I'm not sure that's that's the case, but if it were, I, the 49ers are obviously out. I mean, they, they gave away their their first rounders in 2022 and 2023. They gave away a, a future third rounder. They don't have a lot to play around with after that uh, big move up and in, in, in which they got Trey Lance. So um, there's that working against them. And there's the fact that, you know, sometimes these teams don't want to deal good players in the conference. And uh, I wonder whether the Falcons would do that. I think the Falcons are probably not in that category because they're not, they see themselves as rebuilders and not as contenders right now. So it probably wouldn't bother them that much that they'll be looking for the highest compensation, but uh, the, the, the 49ers can't hang in a bidding war when it comes to compensation. Now they, I do think that they, they could use a guy like Julio Jones, uh, a veteran receiver. They've got a couple of young Good young guys in Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And after that, there's really not a lot there. Uh, so finding a, a third guy, a veteran guy for that offense, I think would be something that the 49ers are interested in. I just don't know how aggressive they can be uh, if it starts to get into a bidding war. Where do you see Julio ending up, I guess, is my final question. Do you do you think he'll end up with the Niners, with the Cardinals is he going to end up somewhere else what is your take on this with everything going on yeah I mean it's a total guess but just from a fit standpoint outside the conference Tennessee seems like Mm. a spot um I'm not sure I don't know I don't know what Julio's brothers seem to be he wants to play on a contender so that would uh fit that Uh, the Titans aren't a big passing team so his um his stats wouldn't be through the roof but I think that at this point in his career, winning a Super Bowl is probably paramount for him. So um, Tennessee just seems like a real nice fit. I mean, I I, I would love that uh, triumvirate they'd have between quarterback, running back, and and receiver if if they got him there. Actually, one one more Julio to the Niners question. In Seattle, I feel like a lot of team fan bases that don't think their team needs Julio have like a – I don't know. I don't, it's not like delusions of grandeur or anything. They just have a misguided view of their team's current receivers. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I don't know if that's a, the case in Seattle because obviously DK and Tyler are as good as people think. But how is that going in, among the San Francisco fans and like their assessment of the current receivers versus their assessment of the need for Julio? Yeah, you're, you're talking about um, hometown myopia. Uh, like they, people get fixated on their own roster and they, they, they tend to overestimate it. We see that all the time. Um, around cut down day when they, when people say, Oh, they can't cut this guy. He'll get snapped <laughs> up by another team. And the guy never does. You know, it's just because you've been reading about that one guy all off season. Um, so I think there's, there's that going on uh, with the 49ers. But like I said, um, you know, it's just a numbers game really at receiver. They've got two, one of whom Debo Samuel gets hurt quite a bit. And after that, it's, it's a bunch of question marks. So there, there is certainly room on the roster for, for Julio. And then the, the counterpart of that is that he's, he's a big name. He's an ESPN name. Um, 
and, and so fans recognize it and they want that guy part of of the team. So uh, my, I think it would be a great fit. I mean, he's played for Kyle Shanahan before. I think he had his best season yep. ever under under Kyle Shanahan. So uh, it would be an easy, easy fit on this team. Yeah, I know that's scary for our listeners to be thinking about right now is uh, talking about Julio on <laughs> the 49ers are kind of <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. But the, just that aspect of it has been interesting to see which fan bases are like, we don't need Julio, we have blank. And some of these blanks, man, <laughs> like I think in San Francisco, I've seen like, we got Brandon Ayuk, we're good. And it's like, look, man, I like that guy too. He's great. He's a, he's <laughs> a young stud. It's Julio Jones, you know? Right. Right. And it's and like I said, it's numbers. You know, you, you, most teams line up three receivers. So if you don't have three, you can't go three deep. You're you, you need uh, that extra guy. Um, let's let's talk about the quarterbacks here, man, which was like the biggest topic of, you know, the offseason for almost every team, uh, really, uh-huh. but specifically San Francisco. I remember uh, reading your stories in like early January, late December, where Kyle Shannon was like, no, Jimmy G's our guy. You know, there was like an endorsement of him and then they trade the farm to move up. Um, and eventually get Trey Lance. So what happened in between maybe week 17-ish when Kyle said that and March 26 when they pulled the trigger on the blockbuster deal? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everything happened. I mean, they looked at a lot of different scenarios. I mean, they're a team that makes a lot of phone calls. That's why I think the Seahawks are the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, their business model is to see what's out there uh, and to kick the tires on just about any type of scenario. They want to know what's going on. A lot of times they're not poised to make a move. Like they, they were in on Matt Stafford, but they weren't all in. Um, they weren't part of the final conversation, but they wanted to know what it would take. Uh, and I think that leads to a lot of, I don't want to call them false reports, but they're not quite as serious as, um, as it's reported because they have made a call. They are interested, but they're not really interested in that. So I think there was a lot of that going on and it wasn't just Stafford. It was Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, at one point they were looking at, uh, uh, a, a couple of, of veteran, uh, uh, Andy Dalton, for example, so if, if they had brought in Andy Dalton in free agency, I have a hard time believing Jimmy Garoppolo would still be here. I think Andy Dalton was part of like the, the, the Trey Lance um, idea that you would have a veteran who could uh, run the offense for a year and then Lance would come in. So um, this idea that they were always going to go with Garoppolo, always, always loyal to Garoppolo, I think is – um, convenient for them now, but I don't think that was always the plan. I think it could have gone in a lot of different ways. He, they're paying the guy $26 million, 
this year. So uh, I think that was very much uh, an option to find an alternative to him uh, and then to kind of bring that uh, that rookie along slowly. So that's where we are. And, um, you know, uh, Lance is, is really interesting. He was the guy that I, I liked from the get-go. I mean, I started watching him after Garoppolo got hurt last September, really, because I thought he would be a guy who would be available in the second round um, because he hadn't played that much, was playing at North Dakota State, wasn't going to play a lot in, in 2020. And I thought, okay, maybe this is a guy that, you know, they could, they could get late in the first, early in the second, and develop. Of course, with quarterbacks, you know, they're always valued so highly. And so he ends up being the, the number three overall pick. Oh, before I want to get into Trey too, um, but uh, at, at the same time, how do you explain kind of the Mac Jones smoke that we got between March 26 and the drafts? Because I feel like everyone was convinced that that's the direction they were going. I can't explain it. I don't know what the answer is, but that's <laughs> that smoke was thick. There's some thick <laughs> oh, yeah. smoke coming out of that Mac Jones. Uh, uh, habitation. And, um, you know, I, I'm not blaming this reporter, but um, Adam Schefter was 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 reporting um, confidently that it was going to be Jones. And it wasn't the usual. Yeah, I, I think it might be Jones. There wasn't a lot of hedging early on. It was a confident. Yeah, it's going to be Mac Jones. And, you know, um, you know, reporters are wrong all the time. But Adam Schefter's got a very, very strong reputation. And when you're, it's two months out and you're that confident, I figured he knew something. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people did. Um, and he wasn't the only uh, national reporter reporting that. So there was something going on there. I'm not exactly sure. I don't want to try to guess who his sources were. Um, but it was enough to convince me that, okay, it's, it's probably going to be Mac Jones. I mean, I like Trey Lance, but it, it looks like it's going to be uh, Mac Jones with this pick. So I had a theory about that because I had heard um, it was going to be Mac. Like the day the trade went down, like I, I heard some people like, hey, they've already even told Mac that they're they're interested in them. So yeah, like you said, the smoke was was really thick there. I had a theory that maybe they were conflicted with internally, like maybe Kyle likes a guy and John likes a guy or, or something like that. Was, was did there anything to them maybe going back and forth between the two of them on which guy they, they would like at number three overall? Well, according to them, they met each other late in the process and said, on the count of three, tell me who you like. One, two, three, Trey Lance. And it was like this, <laughs> this beautiful thing. Uh, I don't believe for a second it was that it was that easy. Um, you know, if if Kyle, I mean, that that was the whole um, kind of narrative that Kyle Shanahan likes the traditional pocket drop back. Uh, quarterback, you know, Kirk Cousins is is one of his favorite guys. He's made no uh, secret about that. And Mac Jones had a lot of Kirk Cousins in him. Um, so that was what, you know, helped convince everybody that that was going to be the pick. My point is that if he 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 calls the shots, especially when it comes to quarterback. So if that was the guy all along, it would be Mac Jones here uh, in San Francisco instead of Trey Lance. So that makes me think that it wasn't quite as uh, certainly as cut and dry as it was being portrayed up, up to that point. But you have to think that there was disagreement back and forth in the organization. It seemed to be, and I was following this really closely from the get-go, it seemed to be that people who were personnel types, um, you know, like our, our draft guru, 
um, and other draft gurus were all pointing to, to Trey Lance early on. That was their favorite guy because he was so moldable, had all these these great qualities that you could kind of draw out of him over time. It was the guys who were the reporters who, you know, talked to people, talked to a lot of people, talked to a lot of teams who were going Mac Jones. So there always seemed to be that dichotomy there about which who is predicting what. And there, there seemed to be kind of a, a, a separate line between the two. I want to stick with Trey Lance here. And I'm curious from your standpoint is how do you see Trey fitting in and what can he bring to this offense that maybe Jimmy doesn't bring? Yeah, I, I think he's a great fit. I mean, he did a lot of things at North Dakota state that he's going to be asked to do here. So in that way, it wasn't a real hard projection. It was a hard projection in that there were only 17 games uh, and they were coming against, you know, Illinois state and Delaware and other smaller schools. The, you know, the really easy part was that it was a lot of play action, a lot of rollouts. Um, North Dakota State uses a fullback. I mean, <laughs> you hardly see that in the NFL, and you see that even less in college football. And here was a team that used its fullback steadily, two tight ends, three tight ends, a lot of stuff that the 49ers do, he does. Um, to answer your question, though, he, he throws the ball deep. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's one thing that Jimmy Garoppolo just does not do. Uh, he doesn't stretch the field. He's not real accurate um, when he when he does. Uh, and we saw that um, uh, in, in the Super Bowl at the end of the game. Um, and the other thing, the other big thing, bigger than than um, than the arm, is that he runs the ball and he runs the ball well. He runs it with power. And that was a staple of of North Dakota's uh, state's offense. They would, you know, he would take the the snap under center, shotgun and right up the uh, the A gap. I mean, right up the middle. And he would run guys over. He's not going to be able to do that here, but there's a, um, there's a power element to him. Some of the other uh, draft picks that they took in, the, in this draft, uh, Aaron Banks is a big 320-pound um, guard who, who plays with power. So there's a little bit of power element that's come into the, the 49ers in the last – few months. And I, I think we'll see that uh, right off the bat. I think that Trey Lance comes in for at least a few plays, certainly uh, around the goal line, uh, maybe short yardage. And um, that makes, you know, defenses guess, are they going to run the ball in? Or are they going to try to throw it? And, and, and Trey Lance can, t- can do both. Uh, I don't think for a second that he's going to be a quote unquote running quarterback in the NFL. Um, he, he, he wasn't that at North Dakota state, but um, I think that that's that's job one for Kyle Shanahan is to really develop him as a passer. And, and I think that was the the allure is that he has that he processes quick. He's a smart guy. He had a lot of responsibilities at North Dakota State State. And I think all of those things really appeal to Kyle Shanahan. What specifically did you learn about Trey Lance's football IQ in the pre-draft process and how much did that factor into the Niners falling in love with him? Yeah, um, that was a, a big part of it. I mean, um, you, you talk to the coaches up there, you talk to his teammates, you talk to his his quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, and they put um, more on his plate than any quarterback has. I mean, he had responsibility for the protection. He had audible responsibility. Um, he had the mic call. He had, you know, everything that a, a pro quarterback has, probably even more because, you know, the 49ers um, – you know, uh, give give that protection stuff to the center. He had that at North Dakota State. So he was 
um, a 19-year-old, I think he was 19 in, in 2019, might have been even 18 years old, um, and he's the starter all of a sudden and hadn't played much because he was a, a redshirt freshman the year before, and he has all this responsibility, and they go undefeated. Um, and he doesn't throw an interception. So that's, you know, that, there was a lot to like there. And, and you know, the, the big hang up with him was that he didn't play in 2020. So there wasn't any, any more film to watch and there wasn't any ability to see, okay, is he going to get even better, more efficient from what he was in 2019? And that's the big projection. Um, it, it seems like a safe one because he is um, so dedicated. I mean, uh, you know, the, the fact that he was able to pick up that offense so quickly and, and run it so well, uh, that, that seems to bode really well for his NFL future. You've already hinted at what you see, you foresee happening with Trey Lance and Jimmy G that maybe perhaps Trey will come in in certain situations on the goal line. So for week one, it's pretty, you're, you're going on the limb saying that for the most part, you see Jimmy G as being the starting quarterback for this football team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'd have to screw up pretty dramatically, um, and he's he's motivated um, th- this year. I don't think that I don't pr- foresee that happening. I think it's possible that um, you know Lance, you know, accelerates faster. Jimmy G has has an issue. He throws a lot of picks. Um, he's had some some horrific training camp practices. To me, that's not enough. I, I, I think it's certainly by week one. Are they struggling at week eight? They, they have their bye week six. Uh, those are all kind of, as you guys know, points at which a, a change could be made, uh, I suppose. And there's always the, the injury uh, issue, which is probably the, the greatest reason, uh, most likely reason that they would make a change at this point. But it, it did surprise me a little bit. We, we've only watched two practices with Trey Lance. One was a, a rookie minicamp and one was the first OTA. And uh, only two quarterbacks really took throws in that in that practice and it was jimmy g on one field and trey lance on the other i thought that there might be some i mean obviously trey lance is the number two i thought there might be some kind of take him along slowly and have one of the other veterans be the de facto number two for now that's not happening he's he's being thrown uh two feet into the fire and you know so far it's been it's been pretty impressive um he he you know, he he looks the part. Uh, I I guess is what you can say after just a, a few dozen throws. But uh, it's uh, he's he's looked pretty good so far. You know, I'm I'm a proponent of starting your first round QB as soon as you can, uh, especially if he's sitting behind a guy you don't think is the future. And we don't necessarily have to debate that idea here. But I, it does feel like part of the argument against doing that with Trey is that the team is currently set up to win with Jimmy G uh, you know, with the talent on the offensive line, the skill position guys and what they're supposed to have on defense. But when I think about that, it seems like that would be an ideal situation to ease your rookie into as well. When he does have Trent Williams, when he does have George Kittle uh, and IU can, you know, superstar Debo Samuel, Samuel, you know, and they got all these guys. Um, do, Do you think that if Trey was to, let's say he was the week one starter, like he, I get the sense he wouldn't be in over his head, and he'd have a decent supporting cast. You know, his his rookie year. Yeah, um, I I agree with you. I mean, this is a good running team as it is now. Uh, so just just on that alone is is such a nice foundation. Even if you don't have the the whole offense down pat, I mean, I I, I agree with you. I I I think that they they would be hard to deal with too. 
because you know so so few teams do run as much as they would be capable of in that situation. I, I remember Colin Kaepernick's first ever start it was against the Bears. I think it was a Monday night game. And to that point in that season, that was 2012, he had just – he had mainly run the ball. He, he was sort of a change of pace to Alex Smith. He, he would come in for two or three plays a game, and most of them would be runs. And so we expected, again, in that Bears game, um, a lot of running from Colin Kaepernick. And it was the opposite. You know, the, the 49ers fooled everybody, and it was a, a passing game for him. And he passed the ball really well. Um, I forget what his yardage was, you know, 285, really good passer rating, a couple of touchdowns, uh, a lot of big throws. I wonder whether that would be sort of the scenario if Trey Lance made a, a surprise start early in the season. We expect a lot of runs. The opponent expects a lot of runs. And then he turns around and, and throws the ball all over the field because of that. So I, I can definitely see that happening, too. Well, then we'd have a little bit of element of surprise, too. I mean, depending on how much he plays in the preseason, but there would just be the newness of having, you know, you know, defenses, they, they need to watch film, right? Or they're doing a the, uh, whole bunch of guessing. So, like, yeah, I'm a big, I mean, again, Seahawks fans probably not trying to hear this, but like, <laughs> not nah, Trey Lance in the division would be like really exciting, you know, I, I think. Uh, but let's, let's, let's swap sides of the ball uh, real quick. The Niners lose. Uh, Robert Saleh goes and coaches the uh, becomes the head coach of the Jets. He was a big part of why that defense was great and giving Seattle a lot of problems <laughs> while he was in charge. So how is it going to look now with D'Amico Ryan's um, being promoted? Is he going to keep things the same or what? I think he's going to keep things the same. Uh, again, we haven't watched enough practice to really make any big judgments. I'm, I'm basing that off of the the personnel that they brought in in the offseason and, uh, you know, they, they made a big change, um, I guess it was two years ago when they brought in Chris Kosurek as their defensive line coach, and they went to a more wide nine, and they brought in a whole bunch of personnel to sort of fit that. Everybody that they brought in this offseason um, sort of fits the, the status quo for what they do. So I, 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 there, there didn't seem to be any big changes in the works. Um, I, I would note that they brought in – a lot of cornerbacks who are known for press coverage. Um, Jason Barrett uh, was really good at that early in his career. A couple of the guys that they drafted are that way too. Um, and that, that always kind of surprised me is that, you know, a, a, a secondary with Richard Sherman in it didn't do as much uh, press man-to-man stuff as I, as I thought that they would. And, and maybe that's something that they do more this year. So that would probably be the, the biggest change, but um yeah, I mean, D'Amico Ryans is interesting. He's going to talk for the first time as defensive coordinator this week. And um, I, I'm, I'm sort of uh, I'm anticipating that because he's not known for being, um, you know, a loud guy, a rah-rah guy. Uh, and I've talked to him a couple of times. Not the greatest interviews on the planet. He's very low key. He's very calm. That's sort of his his calling card. Um but he's also very smart and he's got this, like I said, this calmness about him. Um, he doesn't raise his voice a lot, but when he talks, he's, you know, since he was a, a high school player, everybody's ears perk up and they listen to him. Um, and uh, that's the way it's been as a, as a position coach, linebackers coach. And that's the way it's probably going to go for him as a defensive coordinator, but it's going to be a little bit of a different tone uh, message to the fans. I think, um, I, I just wonder, um, I, I'm sure the PR staff wants him to be Mr. Personality and whatnot, but that's just not how he is. So it's going to be, uh, to me, 
being in the business forever. I know he's being coached up for this first press conference. I just don't want him to be um, come off as false. You know, I want him to be himself. And I think he will be, but uh, it, it, it'll be fun to watch. Let's look at this line of secondary because you guys got some dogs, some hounds. You got some interesting names to various more, Jimmy Ward, Verrett, Mosley, Tart. Is this going to be an elite secondary for this 2021 campaign, you think? Yeah, they've got some experience back there. I mean, Verrett, Tart, and Jimmy Ward are, you know, uh, approaching 30. If they're, they're not all 30 at this point. And so um, – that's uh, that's nice to have. And they, they communicate well. They played well. Uh, they played a while together. Uh, it, it's that other cornerback spot that I think is going to be the question mark. Is, is Emmanuel Mosley going to hold that all season? Um, they brought in a, a, a third-round pick, Ambry Thomas, who I, I think this is a great year for them to sort of bring along a rookie into that spot because they do have the experience in those other other places. Um, so, uh, I, that, that's what I sort of expect as the year goes on. This guy, Ambry Thomas, um, gets in and eventually becomes, uh, one of the starters by the end of the season. Tarverius Moore also is interesting. He's, you know, he's sort of a, a free safety, played free safety, known for his speed. Uh, and he said at the end of the season that he was going to add some bulk, uh, so that he can play more strong safety. So, you know, be an option to play opposite Jimmy Ward. And he was true to his word. He was, he was 10 pounds heavier uh, for this minicamp practice the other day. And so it'll be interesting to see whether he's, he, he's kept his speed. Um, he hasn't been the greatest tackler on the planet. So uh, hopefully with that bulk comes a little bit of uh, better tackling ability too. But if he can put that all together, that's, uh, that's a lot of speed back there that can cover a lot of ground. Uh, like I said, it might make for, more opportunities to play more press. Uh, they, they should be more versatile back there as well. I'm just more excited with the Seahawks and Niners matching up now. It's it's going to be even more fun because, you know, DK's back in the lab. He's ready to, ro- ready to work out and dominate again this season. This is going to be a fun matchup. Oh yeah, no, I can't, I, I can't, I can't wait for it. I'm always looking forward to the Niner games. I mean, in 2019, like I think that's like where Niners fans probably think the defense should get back to. Obviously, that's when it was great. This pass rush was always the scariest thing about that. It was like you're just sending killers, you know, <laughs> at Russell Wilson pretty much every snap. And a lot of those bodies from that 2019 team are gone up front. So do can they still recreate, you know, that vibe, you know, assuming healthy Bosa and whatever, like can they get back to that in 2021? Well, yeah, it's a big assumption and, and they are making that assumption. I mean, Bosa had it wasn't just the run of the mill ACL. It was the ACL plus. I don't I don't know what the other you know, whether it was another ligament that was torn, uh, they've been very uh, closed lipped about it. But it wasn't, uh, like I said, the the one that, you know, might take eight months and the guy's back to normal the next year. So they are they didn't do a lot at that position and they rely on that position quite a bit. And it's not just Bosa. It's, it's Bosa and D Ford. Both were hurt all last season. D Ford had a mysterious back issue. He's still working his way back from no one's quite sure whether he's even going to play again. So they, uh, they brought in Samson Ekubom from the Rams in free agency. And so they're, they're counting on him who hasn't been, you know, a full-time starter in his career, but that's really it. It's Bosa coming back from an injury, Ford coming back from an injury, uh, Ekubom and really not a lot else. So you're absolutely right. In 2019, the calling card from this team was, it's defensive line, just getting after guys, sending 
pass rushers and waves and those edge players, Bosa and Ford were so fast and you had DeForest Buckner in the middle. Uh, there's no DeForest Buckner. Bosa and Ford are question marks. The only guy that's uh, coming back in full right now is Eric Armstead from that, that group of four from 2019. So to me, that's the, that's the biggest question mark in this group. What, is Bosa going to be his 2019 self? Um, is that going to happen, you know, from, from the, the, the drop of the hat from week one on, or is it going to take him eight games to get back to his form? Um, and if that's the case, that's, they're, they're not the same team um, because that was very much what they were identified with uh, during that Super Bowl run. Yeah. Not to remember the Jimmy G point, but I do think that's also an issue there is, yeah, Kyle Shanahan's like, he cites how many games they've won with Jimmy, but it's like, yeah, you also did that with like a top three defense too. <laughs> like it wasn't right. like Jimmy G was slinging you to a bunch of games. I know he was great against the Saints in that 2019 year, but like, no, the defense was was kicking ass and taking names. You know, if you can, you win, how, can you still win with like, I would love for like, maybe Kyle Shanahan can't answer this honestly, but I'd love for him to answer like, hey, can you still win as many games as you did with Jimmy G if you don't have a top two pass defense, you know? Yeah, and they might find out the answer. And, and, and I, think we, I think we know the answer. He, he wouldn't have traded up from pick 12 to pick three to get a quarterback if he thought that Jimmy G is going to win those games on his own. Um, yeah, well, that, I wanna, that doesn't happen. I want to talk about a couple of guys that the Seahawks stole from the Niners uh, in free agency this year. Uh, let's stay with the D-Lions so on that theme real quick. What are the Seahawks getting in Kerry Hyder? I, I mean, Kerry Hyder is awesome. I mean, he's one of these uh, under-promise, over-deliver types. Uh, nobody, you know, all, all those injuries I just cited last year, it forced Kerry Hyder, who they thought was going to be like um, an interior uh, pass-down rusher. That's probably his best spot. They had to play him almost exclusively at defensive end. And and he was great. I mean, he's not, uh, you know, a, a blow off the line and, you know, whatever. A, a, a good uh, 10 yard split is um, what he is, is a blue collar guy who's always kind of fighting to get to the quarterback. And those, you know, th- those guys end up getting 10 sacks a year because they don't stop. They don't quit. And um, yeah, so I think he's going to be a great fit. They're going to love him there. Teammates are going to love him. Coaches are going to love him. Um, he reminds me of Ronald Blair for the 49ers. Um, who's a guy who, you know, second team guy, but ended up playing a lot of snaps and making a lot of big plays. So um, he's he's Mr. Effort. Uh, he's had a really kind of um, star-crossed career to this point where every time it looks like he's on the verge of, you know, making a name for himself, he got hurt or something happened. Uh, so he's um, he, he's a good guy to root for. And uh, you guys will like him, too. He's he, he's, a, he's a good uh, he's a good interview as well. He's he's undrafted, right? Yes, that? isn't he? I believe he was undrafted. I think or... so. If he was, it wasn't it wasn't a high pick. Yeah, because I remember him talking about like that. When you say effort, like he seems like a guy who's like always fighting. Because when you come in the league at that level, <laughs> you gotta fight. You never feel safe, <laughs> right? You know? exactly. Like you always feel like you gotta. Like Doug Baldwin was like that too. He was always fighting. You know, even if um, you know, he he was the highest paid receiver on the team and the number one target is like, no, no, I'm still fighting for, yep. for, for a gig. I think that's why I uh, shout out to the homie, Jason Jenks. When he wrote the story of Doug retiring, it was called the headline is Doug Baldwin is done fighting. Right. Cause he, he couldn't play football without fighting. Like that was just his mindset. So if we get that from Kerry, 
um that would that would be great um let's let's uh, let's switch to the other guy akella witherspoon man who kind who made his first headline uh here in seattle <laughs> when he said that when healthy i'm the best defense i'm the best cornerback in the league uh what do you make of such a confident statement from young yes. akella <laughs> I usually don't like self-aggrandizing like that, but I, I tell you what, at the end of this last season, he was on fire. I mean, he was confident. He saw that against the Seahawks. He was talking smack to, to DK and yes. all that stuff. Um, he was playing as well as I'd seen the cornerback play in a long time. The issue was that it, it was sporadic over his career. I mean, there, there, were, there were stretches of, of games where he played really well and stretches of games where he didn't play well. And he got pulled out of a lot of games. I mean, he was in the doghouse quite a bit uh, with, with Kyle Shanahan. That started in 20, I think it started in 2018. And, and you guys saw it in 2019 in a game um, up in Seattle where he was pulled. And, and then he was pulled the, the following week in the playoffs against the Vikings. Now, um, he would tell you, and I think he referred to this recently um, uh, with the media in Seattle, that he's been hurt a couple of times. And so he was playing with a foot injury, I think, at that point. Um, and that's he, he said it affected him. And that's why he didn't play very well. And that's why he was pulled. That's been an issue uh, with him. If he's not 100 percent, he's not he's not playing well. Um, and as you guys know, in, in the NFL, it's very rare that you're even close to 100%. So that, that to me is, is something that he needs to learn how to do. Play at that high level, even when everything is not exactly perfect for him physically. Yeah, he said he mentioned that he had two injuries that were really bad. Um, he didn't specify what they were, but then I went back and found your story where he told you he had a, a hole in his quad and a sprain, a, some type of sprain on his foot, maybe a toe. Um, I believe all on the same leg. So like the cat's out of the bag, Akello, I'm sorry. Uh, but that I guess that is important context. But with him getting pulled specifically in those games in 2019, it seems like maybe I'm just a little more empathetic than some of these coaches. But like in 2019, in that regular season finale, um, he gave up a touchdown to DK in the fourth quarter and um, he got pulled. Right. And then the very next week, he or the, two weeks later, they play the Vikings. He gives a touchdown to Stephon Diggs in the first quarter and he gets pulled. Those seem like some quick leashes, man, or some short leashes, considering the opponents he was going up against Diggs and DK. Like, what was up with that? Well, I mean, I think there was the injury that he was dealing with. And, and I think there was um, a short leash. I mean, he he gotten pulled the previous year, too, before a game in uh, Green Bay, nationally televised game against Green Bay. And um, we never really got the full story on what it was. It wasn't a physical issue. It was more of a, we're going to teach this young guy a lesson type of thing. Like they didn't like the way he was conducting himself. Uh, and that's why he didn't play in that game. And it came back to bite them in that game because uh, I, I think it was Jimmy Ward who got the start at cornerback and, and played well, but then he got hurt and they brought in Another guy, Greg Maben, I think he's been up in Seattle a couple of times, and Maben just got torched by Aaron Rodgers, and, and it allowed the Packers to come back and win that game. So it really sort of the 49ers uh, went into it hoping to teach uh, Witherspoon a, a lesson, and they ended up shooting themselves in the foot by doing so. Uh, so that was sort of it. I mean, um, like I said, 
if, if it wasn't for Dante Pettis, I would say that Akella Witherspoon was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse more than, than any other player over the last few years. Uh, so he didn't have a lot of leash to work with. So when he started to struggle in those games, it was a quick hook and he was out. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you could you could say that that backfired, too, because Emmanuel Mosley took over and Emmanuel Mosley was in coverage on that fateful play to Tyreek Hill uh, in the Super Bowl, which really was the, the the turning point in that game. So. There was a lot of mind games going on, and I'm not sure the 49ers always came out on top of the mind games with uh, with Akella Witherspoon. Oh, it sounds like they 100% did not come out on here <laughs> losing games. Lose, I mean, they should have lost the game against uh, the Seattle when they pulled Akella. Like, if if I don't know if Jacob Hollis was what two inches taller, I don't, maybe they you know lose that game too. You know, like that they 100% seems like they have their short end on the stick when Akella is supposed to be the one learning the lesson. I do well, want to stick. I, I, go ahead. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't even bring up the game against Miami this this past year. If you oh my god, that game that's that's another thing where 49 had to go to. I, I, you're going to think that I'm making this up, but I, I don't think I am. It's like their fifth string cornerback because they had so many injuries, and Akello was one of the guys who decided they they thought that he was going to be able to go that week. He said he couldn't go, um, and so that already was you know looked at you know, suspiciously. And then when they started to get torched early in the game, he came in and played the rest of the game and played pretty well, which sort of for a lot of people um, emphasized that maybe he could have started from the get-go and they wouldn't have gotten into the hole that they did. So this is all, there's a lot of water that's going underneath, going underneath that bridge there. Um, but uh, the, the, the bottom line is that he is a, a supremely, talented and smart guy um he's just got to kind of bring it all together and be consistent let's talk about another corner and dj reed who was with the 49ers formerly and pete carroll went after him even though he had an injury were you surprised with what dj was able to do with the seahawks and did you see some of that while you were covering that covering the team with him I did, but I didn't see it at the position that he's he's been playing for the, the Seahawks. He was an outside cornerback at Kansas State, um, undersized. So the 49ers thought, okay, this is going to be a good nickel cornerback or even a free safety. And, and he played a little bit of both early on. I think it's his rookie year. Um, and uh, he seemed to be much more comfortable at nickel cornerback. Um, he's a feisty guy, rough and tumble guy, not shy about tackling any of that. So he's perfect for the nickel spot. And, and the 49ers were really dubious whether he could be an outside cornerback. Um, and he played well there. So, um, you know, to me, he's a guy that probably a, a nickel cornerback, an inside cornerback, truly. But um, it just kind of shows you um, – who he is, um, his personality. I mean, he, he's, we're talking about fighters and underdogs, uh, scrappers. That, that seems to be DJ Reed in, in a nutshell. He's, he's not a guy who's going to shy away from challenges or contact. Uh, so I, I imagine Pete Carroll just loves that, loves to have that type of personality, even if, uh, you know, he's giving up a few inches to uh, a receiver every now and then he'd much rather have that personality in the, uh, in the secondary. That's 100% right. I definitely agree with you on that point. I do want to get your thoughts on the whole NFC West. And now that there's 17 games this year, 
it's going to be weird when you say, oh, this team's going to win such and such games. But I want you to rank from worst to best. Yeah, I'll put you on the spot. You know how yeah. it is. We, we, usually we just say, hey, what's, what's the Niners record going to be? But this year, I want you to rank from fourth down to one. So who do you have number four in the NFC West going down to number one? Well, um, I guess I have to put the Cardinals at number four, even though they, they really give the 49ers fits every time they play them. Um, to me, you know, that's a team that just needs to, to shore up its, its defense. Um, and, and they've tried to do that uh, with some draft picks over the years. I, I'm not sure they've been all that successful there. So I, I feel like that's still um, the weak link for them um, and, and why they might not ultimately go very far. So I'll go uh, the Cardinals, but I mean, <laughs> I'm going to give myself the wiggle room like and they could easily be number one on the list or they could be in this, this gaggle of, of teams that are, are fighting at the end. So I would go um, four is Arizona. I'd go three is Rams. They lost an awful lot in free agency mm-hmm. this year. I mean, uh, Stafford steals all the headlines and deservedly so. And that's going to be, you know, make or break for them. But uh, there's a lot of talent that they don't have this year that they've had in previous years that maybe um, didn't get as much notice as, as it should have. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the two big boys, the two uh, traditional um, heavyweights there at the end. Um, yeah, Matt, uh, this is I, tough. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not. I'm not trying to um, skirt it, but I just didn't follow the, the 49ers. Had so much news that I didn't really follow the Seahawks closely in what they did in the off season. So um, I, I don't know whether they improved, whether they're still the same. To me, Russell Wilson is always the, kind of the the class of the division. So that. That's good for a winning record right there. Um, I can only imagine that his rapport with DK Metcalf get, gets better. So I'll put Seattle at third and then the 49ers at – I mean, Seattle at two and then the 49ers at, at one. I can't be surprised with that. I understand. I feel you. I would probably – that's a tough one. I don't even know. So I, oh, I want to ask this then, Matt. You I can't mean, even answer your own question. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no one really knows whether they got better or not. I, I wrote that they got slightly better, I think, last week. Uh, but – Here's what I do. So I think both me and you, I think me, you and Jordan, I think we all had to do Jordan Rodriguez covers yeah. the Rams. We all had to do um, season preview things when the schedule came out. I think we all said 12 and five. <laughs> I mean, we all, I, I think we all gave the, the same projection. So in your, but in your 12 and five, are you projecting that the quarterback in week 18, that sounded weird to say, Oof. are you projecting the quarterback in week 18 is still Jimmy G? Well, that was David Lombardi, my uh, okay. my colleague, my bad, my bad. Who, did, who did the, the twelve and five. But I definitely noticed that the three of you had twelve and five, and probably if we had a Cardinals writer, he would have, uh, <laughs> he or she would have uh, had them going uh, ten and seven or eleven and six or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I feel like if they are twelve and five, that means that Jimmy G is probably the quarterback for the whole season, because if 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 they don't have that Sterling record that means that Jimmy G probably got pulled at some point. That, right. that would be the way that he gets pulled. Either he gets hurt or he just doesn't play very well. Uh, if he's not playing very well, they're not winning. And if they're not winning, they don't go 12 and five. Yeah. Or Trey Lance comes in and just kills it. Yeah. Just you never, yeah. Know. Never know. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, these are all plausible scenarios. He's looked, he's looked good. I remember watching Alex Smith the last time that they had a really high draft pick. Um, and, and Smith was young too. Smith was only 20 years old when he was drafted back in 2005, number one overall pick. And he was 
like a, I always described him as a uh, right after a horse is born and the horse, the baby horse tries to get up on its legs and it's all teetering and stuff. He did not look the part. Trey he looked Lance like Bambi. Looks, <laughs> yeah, looked like Bambi. And, and to his credit, he got his legs later in his career and he just retired recently. Long, long, successful. With both of his legs he retired with, which was <laughs> yeah. not guaranteed. Yes. Yeah, we shouldn't make leg jokes with uh, with with Alex Smith. I mean, we'll talk about guts and um, you know, uh, you know, grit um, that he showed. But my point is that uh, he did not. It looked like it was going to take him a long time to learn the position when he came into the league. I don't get that sense from from Trey Lance. I I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I don't think it's going to be you know th- three or four years where it takes him to kind of figure out how to run an NFL offense. I think we started with uh, Julio Jones here, and I now coming back to it before we get you out of here, I think I found the real reason that if the Niners are going to say, now nah, we're good, we don't need Julio, it's because of a guy that no one's talking about. It's River Craycraft uh, on the on the 49ers, out of a Wazoo uh, alum, shout out River. Um, I mean, come on, Matt. Like, that, there's, the, there's the future All-Pro right there, on the t- and future punt returner, I, I think he should be as well. Like, Niners are sleeping on River, am I right? Well, I'm sure the 49ers are going to be really disappointed that you figured out their, their secret weapon. <laughs> but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, he does a lot of things that the 49ers need. They need a slot guy. I was talking about their need for a number three receiver. It's really a slot that they need. They don't have a really good punt returner either. So if you can do both on this team, that's a, that's a key to the, to the roster. Um, he's not at the top of my list as the as the guy who becomes the number three guy, but um, he's 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 certainly got a shot. Hey man, oh, call all... me up, man. I, I might be able to return oh, a few no, pounds. I, I won't to... be able to get hit, but you know, what hey. did that one dude say he <laughs> needs to add ten pounds? I think you need like 50. thirty. Nah, nah, bro. He's got <laughs> some big dudes. I think you're the same size as the guy the Niners just, or excuse me, the Rams. Two 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 two. Yeah, brother, two two like one sixty. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> I don't know, man. You gotta, gotta have to it's get... all about the ten yard split these days. The four, the forty is like you know ten years ago. It's ten yard split. If you got a good ten yard split, you're golden. There we go. All right, man. That is Matt Barrows, and he covers the 49ers for the Athletic. Man, does it does a great job. Like, if you guys are really curious on whether Jimmy G stinks, whether he's going to be gone, whether he's going to be great, Matt's got that whole situation covered. It's a really fascinating one. And whether who, whoever's the quarterback, however it goes, I think we can all agree. Their quarterback situation will have a lot to do with the final standings of the division. Like one way or another, whether Jimmy G's great or Trey Lance is great or whether they suck or whatever, that's going to matter because they can be wor- it can be the best team in the league, the Niners can, and could be the worst team in the yeah. division, just depending on on how things go. So I'm I'm very excited to, for that to shake out, man. Thank you, Matt, so much. Let's get one more book plug uh, in here. Let me get what's the title? I don't know if we said the title. Uh, yeah, it's uh, if these walls could talk, and it's got a whole bunch of words after that, but I can't remember what they are. <laughs> but okay. uh, yeah, if you look it up on Amazon or any um, bookseller, um, put in my name, Matt Barrows, it'll it'll pop right up. So uh, yeah, Father's Day is coming up. If you need that gift, it's uh, it's a pretty good one. All right, man. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. Hopefully, we're traveling uh, this year yeah. uh, in 2021. Hopefully, I get to get to see you, and you get to you get to come up here, man. So, uh, thank you again. Thank you, you guys, for turning into the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. And you follow us uh, on Twitter. Follow Chris, even though he's not verified. Uh, <laughs> Matt, are you verified? Oh, man. oh yeah, yeah. I've been verified for about a decade or so. <laughs> there, there we go. A decade, decade <laughs> in the game. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you on our next installment of our NFC West Roundup with the homie Jordan Rodriguez uh, covering the Rams. On that note, we're out.